Welcome back to Off Records On Point, where we always deep dive into workplace culture and always with the industry's leading minds. Joining us today is one of those, and it is Ed Steer, CEO of Sphere Digital Recruitment. And today we're actually going to go undercover and find out the secret to landing a lasting career. Um, I'm Julia Linehan, as always your host, and I'm founder of this and CEO of The Digital Voice. And I'm Casey Long, as usual. You can take a look at the description of this episode for a list of resources and topics to help you out. So that's Casey and I. We're here to host, would be the hostesses with the most desk, but we're oh, actually yes. joined. The main, the man of the show is Ed Steer. Welcome, Ed. Thrilled to have you on the show. Welcome, Ed. Hello. Thank you for having me. And for the um, drawing you did of me as well, it took off 10 years and two stone. <laughs> we ain't to please. You'll just be carrying that round with you. This is what I look like and we're going to see it pop up. That's Rowan. She does an amazing yeah, job. Yeah, big shout out to Rowan. Yeah. Lauren. Oh, she's so, so good. So, Ed, this is quite interesting because it's a bit tables a turn because the digital voice, we're obviously very proud supporters and partners of your own podcast, Life in Digital. So we're yes. actually, but I love the fact that now we get you on here. So it's shifting the tables. <laughs> and I think there's never been a more important time to talk about navigate, navigating both a difficult market, but really talking about the, the truth, advice, yes. no frills. Give it, say it as it is. And I think this will really help so many people. So if I can, I just want to start with with one thing that's, that's really key to mind. Redundancies. We're seeing hiring shifts. We're seeing patterns within the, within the economy. Right now, where does the land lie, I suppose, for, for careers? Yeah, it's true. It, 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 it's, um, I think it's, it's certainly better than it was Q3, Q4, Q1 this year. And I think um, it's hard to say because... The redundancies have been, first of all, absolutely brutal and very indiscriminate. And, and, and they've also come in, 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 in waves. So um, and different companies have made redundancies at different times. So it has felt like they have been ongoing for a long period. And, 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 and whilst they have, I do think it's settling. Um, our experience of redundancies were from June last year, we really started to hear different noises from the market. It obviously been so overheated. And I think post can, um, you know, we could see that the kind of the tables were turning from a hiring point of view. Um, and then actually um, in our US office, I was in our American office and, and the layoffs sort of hit America first. And we were like from last June, a bit nervous. And then I'm sure I can say this, our, our biggest customer by by spend is Group M um, who, who make, you know, literally hundreds of hires a yeah. year through us. Yeah. And um, Shout out to Group M. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And th- they went on pause externally um, last year. Um, around June, yet we are now seeing Group M briefs again on perm. We'd start, you know, freelance actually, there's always space for contractors. Um, it tends to be one of those things that people can get signed off. Um, but so we are seeing some really positive signs of kind of green shoots of recovery from our kind of media heartlands. In terms of redundancies, I, I do think, I, I think they're less and I also think they're still happening. And I think that's really down to... Um, mm. It's actually on a very business by business basis. Some businesses tried to tough it out for longer and, and are now restructuring. Others restructured earlier um, and, and are growing again. Others have had to go through several rounds of restructures. So what, what we're speaking to our team about is approaching the market without assumptions and listening to our customers and not thinking that because one organization is doing something, um, another's doing yeah, the same thing. And I think that's quite so messy because I can pick up the phone and an organization will say, 
we're not hiring, we're making layoffs. And I can think in my job, shit, that's really, <laughs> that, that's first of all, really unfortunate for people in the organisation. And second is a staffing firm. That's a problem. And then I can pick up the phone to another organisation doing a similar thing who are like, we've got so much headcount, we can't find the people, can you help? So it's a, it's a really unpredictable world still. It's interesting, Ed, that you say there's a lot of inconsistencies and no one business is the same. But I'm going to say a lot of the larger scale businesses in our sector, naming no names, were the ones that hired big and fired big, it felt like. And I felt that at no point were was it was business decisions, but then they should have made better business decisions at the point of hiring. They shouldn't have expanded if that if, without having knowing what was going to be the implications and knowing what and being ready for those we see so how much were they at fault for doing that and how much did that then make the industry i'm going to use swear word here shit up the industry really because it made everybody very jittery that was the problem i think with all the redundancies and layoffs you you really have to separate out big tech from from the rest uh, and and that, and 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 that and that remains the same um, and that did that did cause all the problems. I mean, I don't have the, the, the stats hand, but if you look at the headcount at Amazon, at Meta, at Microsoft, naming names, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> their headcount is still much bigger than 2021 uh, or, or pre-COVID, yeah. right? So yeah. there also needs to be context around how many jobs are being supported in tech because the industry is supporting significantly more jobs than it supported pre this period. That nonetheless is not... It doesn't soften the blow of how many layoffs were made. They, they were just relentless. So a lot of organisations went through an insane overheated hiring round. And the, the re, my, my view of the reason for that was money was, too, money was too easy to come by. Through COVID, furlough was amazing and important for businesses. Loans were given to organisations of any size which were um, required no um, security. And, 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 and banks printed money, essentially, which created a massively overheated economy. And in the tech world, everyone was at home spending money online and, and digital was always in growth mode anyway. So there were some really reckless decisions yeah. made <laughs> and the hiring was just insane. And it's funny because, you know, I, I jokingly said in the board meeting, you know, I regret, I, I will regret saying this, but we were saying in board meetings, we really need the market to cool down 30%. I was so scared of my phone ringing because it would be customers <laughs> who we know not saying, can you help with these roles? And it's like, I appreciate your word that you use there, which is reckless, because in a way, I think that is the standout message that we, we felt. And I felt actually, and I'm going to give a bit of kudos to, to our own, we look after ad tech, we specialize in ad tech, I live and breathe ad tech and have done for years. I felt like AdTech was holding its own in that. I didn't feel like they, I think they've held their nerve. Am I right? AdTech's been really robust. And interestingly, we would expect AdTech, I mean, AdTech is our heartland. We are a technology, we work with technology vendors, AdTech, MarTech and SaaS. Yeah, AdTech is our heartland. It's where I know, it's where I've been for, you know, I remember watching you do a presentation on RTB, actually, Julia, before I set Sphere up at um, a New Media <laughs> Age um, event way back in the day so you know ad tech is really what God, I, it's going back so yeah yeah what I, what I what i know and love um so or best um but ad tech's been really robust and and there's, there's, there's really cool technology and i think it's it's um it, it really seemed to refine its feet in covid and i think there was you no know, creativity in tech sustainability in tech viewability there's been these really awesome themes emerging we are, we actually found the hardest years for us with ad tech as a real period of regression um, or it being a tough market for us as recruiters was um, the GDPR period really rocked the boat and there was a period of IPOs that potentially didn't go to plan and 
it, so actually it was kind of, yeah, 2017, 2018, yeah. we found yeah. ad tech quite sticky. Um, and then it kind of normalized. I mean, it absolutely exploded through COVID, but no, it's, it's, been, it's been really robust. So apart from ad tech then, is that an area that you're still seeing hiring a lot or are there any other areas that you really feel like you're seeing the biggest growth in at the moment? Yeah, so hot sectors, um, the influencer marketing space is really hot. Mm, nice. When paid search launched, they had paid search only agencies and you still do have paid search only agencies. And when programmatic launch, that was a new channel. And influencer marketing has obviously been around for a while now, but the influencer content and social as a channel, there are agencies in that, spectre, in that space who are, who are doubling in headcount at the moment right now. Well, that's exciting. And they're cool companies, actually, because they're kind of agencies who are tech-enabled. So there's some, there's, some, um, there's some interesting roles there. Aren't they just? <laughs> and then we, yeah. Nicole, who's our social media lead, is also an influencer. And, I, and this morning, she, we were on a team call, and she's like, no, we are cool because we've just relaunched our website. And I was like, right. If an influencer who's got tens of thousands of followers says that, I'm going to believe it. We are cool. So you heard it here now. You most certainly are. I can I can verify. Um, so yeah, <laughs> we're seeing that um, across um, and across client side as well. So roles in content marketing, content strategy. Um, yeah, a- a- absolutely. That, that's that's definitely a hot sector across kind of the media and marketing worlds that we that we operate in. And is that kind of in the US and the UK? I'm only asking selfishly because it's interesting for me to hear the differences of. What's going on at home versus what's going on here? Good question. I can definitely so I would I would not be able to answer that with transparency. And the reason for that is in the US, we've only launched in ad tech, sales and customer success. And we very recently started to work with, with agencies for biddable media, paid search, social, um, SEO and programmatic. So we're, we're pretty strategic as a company at being very focused. Um, so, yeah, we, we haven't launched in that space yet. So I don't know the answer. I hope I hope it's yes. I would suspect it is. Exciting, though. Keep us posted, Ed. That'll be on the next episode. U.S. layoffs and U.S. hiring landscape tougher than the U.K., which is conversely not what you'd read in the media. But it was, um, yeah, but just the scale of the country, the, the, the volume of talent from a layoff point of view is really, really it made a, a much more challenging situation in the US. And then in the US as well, there's um, this situation where remote's much more common. I know remote working is very common in the US, but the US is like massive. So remote is very common, but you've got tech vendors now saying we need our sellers to be not in the office, but local to the city. Um, and a lot of sellers from New York move to Florida. or So there's a real, it, it's, a, it's a really tough market, America. We felt that very keenly, didn't we? Because we were talking about it because we're obviously 100% remote. We got 30 people and counting um, all over the globe, really. No, that's because we are now globalists and we we recently launched in the US. We're about to launch in NAPAC. We've got people all the ground in, in Europe, but even our core team aren't based, like we're not, I think there's only two people that live in London. And I always think it's, I'm really, I'm, I'm really feel sorry for those that, you know, I'm going to, Casey probably know better than me, but like San Francisco, I, I can only imagine what the house prices are. So you made that decision during COVID to move out because it was this. One of the most expensive in America. Yeah. Told you're never going to have to come back into an office. But yeah. So you're able to buy the a bigger house, better quality of life. And then you're told you'll lose your job unless you get your ass back into the office. Really? Seriously? Where? What the fudge happened to this? We look after our teams. We look after them. It's really bad. It, I really feel for those people. It must be terrible. Me too. And, and, and as recruitment comes, we, we, we're on the receiving end of this. Um, job searching is supply, is supply and demand. And there's just such a balance of power. And, um, you know, the pendulum swung. 
and it didn't become about keeping our people. It came about what do we want and 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 and, and happy to push for churn. It's like the people who don't come back. That's that's the that's the percent that leave. And then what was actually really challenging in America, not not spending too long in it, because I know there's loads of other exciting topics for today. But um, how visas work in the states, they're attached to jobs, and you've got 90 days. So um, what was actually very tough, we were speaking to candidates who like have lived in the states, have families in the states, kids in schools in the states, have been there for a very long time, but without green cards, and then they lost their jobs. So if I don't get a job in 90 days, myself and my family have to leave the country. So yeah, it was. Um, it was, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was we did know a few actually that that happened to. And I think it's interesting you say about that pendulum, you know, from the great resignation and all of that, in which it felt it, it kind of a little bit went too far because you also don't want people to be so arrogant that they're actually not good at their job. And people need to, it's a fine balance of really valuing what you've got from an employee as well. But I want to ask, because given the pendulum has swung, how does a job seeker actually stand out in a very crowded market you're right at the you're right at the cold face of it what advice would you give so to stand out i think i would have um a really simple cv that just says who you are and what you do but i think it's about how you approach your search so if you're out of work and i can only imagine how relentless this is and i know how because we speak to people i think it becomes your full-time job and i think you need to have a strategy so my strategy would be um yeah. You know, identify the companies I want to work with, identify the hiring managers who could hire somebody like me, and then just to relentlessly hit up those hiring managers. Because if you're applying for jobs on LinkedIn, <laughs> you're going to see so many applications. And internal talent teams are actually very busy. And one of the hard things for internal talent teams is they've got so many applications. How do they get through them all? And what if everyone's a good candidate? Yeah. So... Um, it's you almost just like I guess, the answer. answer. So it just gets what we've got pipeline. We've got pipeline yeah. job off my list. We've got pipeline job off my list. So because they are actually a lot of those companies making lots of hires still. So I think that, yeah, apply via LinkedIn, apply via the company's website, but really um, go go direct to the hiring managers, go to them even if they're not hiring. Personal outreach. Yeah, yeah, personal outreach and with consistency. And this is who I am. This is what I do. I'd love to be part of your team for these reasons. Super, super, super simple. So definitely not, um, definitely not long, definitely not long content either. People, you know, people don't generally love reading lots of content, whether that's on email or on or on LinkedIn. So I think really um, simple bullet points: who I am, what I want to do, why I'd like to talk to you, and 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 and, and, and try and hit up the decision makers. Basically, like how we do business development. You talk about internal teams. They're at an, they, I can't imagine it must genuinely be quite overwhelming at times for certain roles. Are there any employers that you're seeing that are getting it right? And what are they doing? And what sort of do's and don'ts would you give to those that are hiring right now and are seeing that, you know, busyness? Well, first of all, I really believe the very best companies don't say because the market's different, we're going to behave differently and then treat people with less respect. So, um, I think the very best, the very best companies say this is our hiring process, and not what we have seen, which is really shitty, is a lot of companies saying, "Well, because there's lots of candidates, we're just going to offer people less, or we're going to the and, and conversely to that." Oh, I've seen, I've heard this said. Gosh, that we've had, we we had an offer, we had an offer out as a verbal offer, um, which was then changed to being less and that's happened fairly regularly 
And and that is really just companies going, we, we can pay less today. So disappointing. Great hiring processes should be the same irrespective of the market. You should identify who you need, why you need them based on their skill set. And you should run a process which is fair and equal uh, where candidates have an opportunity to be heard, understand the role and be and be treated with with, with respect. So lots of companies are still doing okay. that. Um, but I think um, the challenges that organisations have made and faced, and it is a challenge for them, is there is lots and lots and lots of applications. So what do they do? I've got two things that, that I find within this, that what we're talking about here. So one of them is I'm very keen to know, we talked about processes. I would love you to steer people on what they should throw out when it comes to that process. And I'll, I'll give mine. I absolutely detest the more than three interviews. I actually detest more than two. I honestly believe, and for every one of the 30 people at the Digital Voice, I knew within the first 15 seconds that they were going to be mine. 12 seconds for Camellia. <laughs> but you know what I mean? And or the second point is for candidates, I, I believe in, don't forget LinkedIn is your, your shop front. You've got to sell it first and you need to be going in and you need to be liking, posting, commenting. When you're applying for those jobs, you must go through that. You must really go over and above and stand out. But there's, there's a bit, I, I, I want to come on back to that because I think that's important. I think we can give some guidance on some things that, that I look for and I'd love to see what you look for as well. And some, we, I think we're going to even come in my quick fire round, although it's putting you on the spot. But can I come back to that? What would you chuck out? Chuck out now in the employer's um, recruitment process. This is just specific to working with a recruitment company, so, so I have to start that. Um, reviewing CVs, complete waste of time. Um, why see a CV when someone's interviewed someone and says this person's suitable for the job? So the amount of time spent reviewing CVs um, yeah. is, is completely wasted. And then scheduling. Um, scheduling around interviews in most companies yeah. is completely ridiculous. So a good recruitment process looks like this. I trust my internal recruiter or I trust my external recruiter or I trust both. And on this day, between these hours, I'd like to see five people who are great for this job. And you let your recruitment team decide who those five people are. You meet those five people and then you have an interview with the people who you really like and you make a hire because there's no reason to go beyond that. Um, so bad habits that really frustrate us, um, which we try and iron out, is... I've only seen one person, so I need to see three more people to benchmark. Well, well, why? You can benchmark somebody against your values as an organisation and the people in the team. So there's just some things that you do, um, which are really box ticky, that actually make for really crap processes. Gosh, Ed, it's almost like you founded a recruitment agency. You make it sound so nice. <laughs> it's like he knows what he's doing. Yeah. I actually haven't recruited for a job for about eight years, and I wish I did. But when I when I did, and I and I and I was able to have clients who trusted me. How I worked was literally, I know what I'm looking for, you trust me. So tell me when you're free this week and I will put brilliant people in your diary and, and, and you'll never have to speak to another recruiter or do anything apart from rock up rock up to meeting and interview someone who, who you're gonna hire. Yeah. Um so there's there's just lots of unnecessary box ticking. Yeah, I think that's right. Having said all of that, there's um you then need to set out what is important. So as an example, if you are working with an external partner or an internal partner, whilst I might say don't look at CVs, I would say the shortlist needs to be diverse and representative. I would say that you know, you're trusting the recruiter internally and externally can show their workings. This is who we've reached out to. This is who's reached out to us. This is why we're presenting these people. If it takes longer to get to a point where the shortlist is representative, 
absolutely that's a must that's a must have on every shortlist i'm going to ask something really and put you on the spot here um when i when i when i look for taking on team members for into the digital voice the one standout thing has to be energy what's the one standout value you you see most often that people are looking for and you may not have to be able to give me one but could you give me one that really varies from company but companies definitely have values they look they look for. It probably does. That was a tough question for me to ask. It's, it's also you know, a data scientist versus an enterprise seller. You know, there's, yeah. there's, there's... <laughs> that's impossible. Oh, that's true. Yeah, because I'm a P- we're a PR agency. We need energy. That's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring the vibe, Casey. What would you look for, Casey? What do you look for in your team? What's the one word um... that goes bang for you? Yeah, I think specifically for me and Ava, I mean, I love that every day on my team, we do a a vibe check in the morning where it's like, rattle it off three words. How are you feeling? Like even that in an interview, describe your vibe in three words. And if it kind of lines up, like I bit like what you said, Ed, with your values and, you know, how you want to go into each day. Ideally, you know, for me personally, I guess you want to feel upbeat. You want to feel organized. You want to feel, you know, prepared or relaxed or whatever it is um when they align that's that's kind of ideally what you want isn't it so you you guys culturally seem very similar to sphere so i I would translate that to is um that's why we work so well with you yeah we really want individualism because we want to hire individuals um you know because it's very important to have different people in the business but the common theme the common theme yeah we really want to celebrate individual individuality we have to have people who want to be part of something which is bigger than themselves. So being an individual is great, but you have to want to be part of something. You touched a little bit on diversity, Ed, and I'm just curious if you feel like you're seeing that be a big value the way that it should be, or has there been a shift post-pandemic where that's, you know, obviously even more important and, yeah, sticking the way that it should be now? It depends on the business. So to some businesses, it is absolutely top priority under any situation. And love to hear that. It just doesn't change. So in the times where they couldn't make any hires because everyone was hiring, some organizations said, we know this is going to take us ages. We know we're not going to be able to hire, but we have to We have to achieve these. This is, this is the most important thing to us. Yeah. And other companies, it is absolutely um, just my most hated thing in the world. Um, basically, uh, marketing... Uh, corporate box ticking how we look not how we what we really are and there's loads of that which yeah does my head in um so um throw that away yeah exactly no i think some companies really is it is very 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 important and it's part of their part of part of their dna and others it's not and it's as simple as that and i wouldn't even go as big to say about big companies or small companies um Big companies, it's more of a corporate agenda. Small companies, it's more of a, this means a lot to us as an organisation. I'm going to put a different approach on the table because I have a different view on this. All we have to do is open our doors to everybody and anybody of any culture, religion, race, sexual orientation, open the doors to that. The right people are still the right people irrespective of that. And, and I'll stand by that in the fact that I'm very, very proud that the digital voice is ridiculously diverse, although we do have far too, far, no, not far too many women. We have a lot of women, but that's not because by design, they're just the right people. And, and I can't put enough weight on that. But I, what, I'm do, what I always believe in is you never close the door to somebody because of anything oh, other yeah. than what they do. But I equally won't be forced into a tick box, tick box, oh my God, a box ticking exercise because I think that's where it goes terribly wrong. 
And I really would love people to just be, be inclusive, be, have your open-mindedness, but you still have to find the people that align with your values and who are right for the job. And I, and I then believe, and mine's proof in the pudding, the digital voice has, it's so diverse, which just shows it by opening the doors. I got it. We got it. We got all the people that we believe are the right people for those roles. And I'm very proud that they happen to be diverse, which shows everybody can achieve anything they want to. Hooray! I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing a little dance for anybody on the podcast. Yeah, so we get asked a lot by, by, by our customers. So um, when it comes to the media industry, so let's talk about medias, agencies, tech vendors, publishers in, in particular, um, at, a, at, a, at a mid to senior level, the challenge is the industry has, you know, there's an available pool of talent. Okay, so that's, that's, that's a real challenge. You can't kind of, you have to accept where we are today in terms of how diverse the, the, the look of the, the talent pools are. Um, so that, 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 that creates a challenge. So I think future talent and how we hire at a junior level for any organisation or any big organisation is, is, a, is, is a really important starting point to make sure that at the uh, beginning of an organisation where people are entering it, it it's, it's absolutely representative. And if that company is genuinely inclusive because they're different things, then people move through that company based on their ability, not on biases. But that takes time to play through. Yeah, just about that authenticity. Yeah. I'll say as well, though, because we're friends with, I, I, I want to shout out our friends at DigiRise, Brixton Finishing School. Lollipop Mentoring. If you support those those groups that are really driving for new talent to have the, again, opening the doors, all that, it's up, once, once they're there, they just want a chance to get through the door. So I really encourage the industry to support those groups that are bringing those talents to the door and then simply welcome them in. And after that, it's up to them to do the rest. It's up to them to, 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 yeah, to thrive. So we always have one of those, if you want to hire differently, if you want us to go and find people who don't work in digital media, but who could be good to transfer into digital media um, from other industries, we'll go and do that. But we need time and space to do it, which isn't in an environment, which is actually about who's the fastest because recruitment, Although we try and make it not like that, it can be. So you really see, you know, if, I think if companies really want to go and look for different talent, they need to behave differently because actually what often happens, and we've been burned by this, is we go and do that and then someone hires their mate. So it's just like, well, you know, what's the point of us yeah. going creating a story? Or, or equally, talk. even worse than that, Ed, is the throwing mud at a wall and see what sticks kind of mentality. And that's, again, what we're trying to get away from. And I, and yeah, I, yeah exactly. And I'm very, very proud. I see firsthand, by the way, what, what you do. And there's also other really strong recruitment companies that have, that have really high, placed a lot on values and ethics. And, and I hope that I see it and I want it to be driving that in the industry. Um, I'm aware of time and I'm not letting you get away with this. Casey, what do you think we should do now? Should we go to the quick fire round. It is time for the feared, the fabled, the infamous quick fire round. <laughs> These <laughs> questions for Ed are based on the actual silly interview questions that we used to ask and I was asked when I started out my career in 1995. They are idiotic and I do hope the industry's moved on. But for the purposes of today, for Casey, mine, for all of our digital voice audience, we wanted to put Ed on the spot and ask him the most insane questions that have been asked at interviews. So, Ed, are you ready? Are you set? Far away. Okay, now listen, it's very important you answer the first thing that comes into your mind. It's a quick fire round. It's a quick fire answer. <laughs> okay, 
I'm scared you're going to come to me now to embrace myself. <laughs> I don't. I'm totally coming to you, Casey, and I know the exact one I'm going to you on. So you should have kept your mouth shut. <laughs> oh no! Let's do it right. If you could be stuck on a hot air balloon with a famous person for two hours, who would it be? So Alex Ferguson. I'm a huge Man U fan. Love the way he led, and would be fascinated to have that to have that time with him. And good, good, good stories too. I'm sure from those years. Brilliant. What would your arch nemesis say about you? that I'm an amazing person to work with and a bloody horrible person to compete against. <laughs> oh, nicely done. So this would be one that we'd have had in a sales interview. Pick an item on your desk and sell it to us. Okay, I've just plonked myself down somewhere really random because my internet wasn't working. Um, so I've got some really strange stuff on um, a, a table in my kitchen. Um, so Casey and Jules, uh, who in the room here likes animals? Oh, I love animals, Ed. I'm allergic to them. <laughs> sell to Casey. <laughs> Okay, well, that, that, that's, that's pretty cool. So I've actually got an animal that both of you could have. Casey, I think when you're working from home looking after a dog, it's probably quite a hard thing to do if you want to stay focused. But we have this lovely um, puppy here, which is actually gives you the, wow. the dog effect. So you get to spend some time with the dog and have a dog experience. It's actually a toy. So Jules, you can both buy this because it's also um, not an actual dog. So as someone who's allergic to dogs... Allergy free. Um, it's allergy free. It's good for you too. Give that man a clap. Do you know what? I'm dropping Ange off at a neighbor's house later today. You've just sold me, Ed. <laughs> you did that. Do you know what? That's really good. We used to get told, uh, here's a pen, sell it. And we were trained in doing it. And it's just an insane. It's, it's a technique if anyone ever looks up. Dipita or Aida, it's brilliant behind it. Well done, Ed. Putting you on the spot there, you blew that away. Um, staying in the animal theme, what animal would you be? Oh, bloody hell. Um, Oh, that's a hard one to actually be like those. Um, and why? I've got three animals in my head. In, in the weekends, I'd like to be an eagle so I can kind of like soar around and be free because that's the weekends. Oh. And at work, wow. I'd either be uh, like a tiger if I've got to be in charge. I'd be a fox if I need to be considered and Ooh. watching the room. And then I'd be um, like a sloth or something really just calm and just be able to... <laughs> <laughs> I've never known anyone too street. Casey, Casey, what's your animal? If you're an animal, what would you be? <laughs> My animal's probably a slim pug. <laughs> 24-7. I'm putting slim in there just because I don't like the connotation of a pug immediately being a little too chunky or having some extra neck rolls. But in general, a slim pug. The ability to, you know, like take on a lot of cuddles and a lot of love and be a little bit weird Aww. and a little bit quirky. That is so cute. I'm so glad I came to you on that question. I might come to you now that you don't know. Um, look, coming to you now, where do you, this is, this is a question you get asked in interviews. So let's ask it to Ed. Where do you see yourself in five years? Running sphere. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And with a different business in terms of scale and services and with the same businesses in terms of people and values awesome and being five years older perfect i hope you asked because fear will be going strong okay if you had sell fear in six words or less less what would you say easy to deal with and results lovely and final question ed why should we hire you Oof. Because I would really, A, I'm a boy, so I could add to your, um, yeah. I could bring some mail into the room. I would help you to create a great um, future journey for the company, be very committed to, to making it happen and, and, and have some fun along the way. Oh, Ed. I love it. 
You're hired. Can we make Ed an honorary member of the Digital Voice? That's a wrap. That Absolutely. is your quick fire. Thank you for being so brilliant, Ed. And so it's such a um, plain ball with that. Thank you. Awesome. And on that note, that brings us to the end of another episode of Off Record, On Point. For all of you listening, you can find out where to keep up with Ed in the description or on our, as Julie mentioned, newly launched website, thedigitalvoice.co.uk, um, as well as you find a whole load of useful resources to keep the conversation going. You'll also find us, The Digital Voice, as sponsors on Ed's own podcast, Life in Digital. Highly encourage you to listen. Um, it's second best only by off record on point. So thank you so much. Thank you, <laughs> Ed. Have a quick far round. Thank you so much, Casey. For, and thank you, yeah. Ed. <laughs> thank you for joining My us. My pleasure. Ed. Thank you very much thank for having you. me. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Off Record On Point, the digital voice podcast unzipped. I'm Julia Linehan. And I'm Casey Long. Enjoy the conversation, reach out and let us know by rating and reviewing on your favorite podcast platform and be sure to follow to never miss an episode. You can stay connected with us at thedigitalvoice.co.uk and across all social platforms. Just look out for The Digital Voice. Join us again next time for another undercover industry deep dive. All off record, all on point. <laughs>